branched off into a lot of other things. Um, but I, we were just a bunch of like geeks, a bunch of nerds. Um, I was the president of the American Society of Photogrammetry and Remote Sensing. Anybody ever heard of that before? Probably not. Probably not. But we, were, we would like stay up in the computer lab all night playing like first-person shooter games. We had a really high-tech computer lab, so we had a high-speed like T1 line, whatever. We could beat everybody all over the world because we had such a high-speed computer lab specifically for our mapping. So we had a blast. So we just order pizza and stay in there all night. I remember one time we had this guy come in. We, we, we paid him as an association to come in and speak to the college. And he was coming in to talk to us about the, uh, what was the Hunley, the, the C, CSS Hunley, which was like the Confederate's first kind of submarine. It was like wooden. It sunk like three times and a bunch of people died, but it was the first submarine to ever take out a warship. And so he had, they had found it on the bottom of the ocean, and he was mapping it and creating a model of it. Anyway, I thought it would be cool for him to come in and speak. Halfway through his speak, he goes into Bigfoot. I mean, he's like an imagery analyst, so he's got like the image. Like you see the Bigfoot, he's like walking and he like turns. Well, he's like analyzing that and he's trying to teach everybody about, I'm like, where did this come from? Like everyone's like, Bigfoot, like it's on the slide, but he's like trying to say that Bigfoot was real. It was really weird. I don't know what happened. It was my first experience of bringing in a guest speaker and so... I've learned from them, let me see your slides. What are you going to talk about? Yeah. But, um, so that was, a lot of, that was a lot of fun. But being a geography major, I love just like studying maps and features and physical features. And I always wanted to go to Niagara Falls. Anybody been to Niagara Falls before? Okay. So it does exist, right? All right. I've never been there. But I've always wanted to go there. We got a picture that look amazing. It looks amazing. I always wanted to go there. Like, no, not too impressed. No, not really. <laughs> but, but imagine being at Niagara Falls, standing there. You got the, I imagine you got like the trash bag on because it's so misty and you're getting wet and you're standing there. Imagine somebody comes up beside you and says, I'm thirsty. There's no water anywhere around here. You're like, this guy is crazy. Like, what are, what are they doing? Are they, maybe he's blind. I, I really don't know. There's tons of water everywhere. And I think sometimes as Christians, we can be like that. Like, we think, well, where is God? Where, where is God? Is he... Is he really at work in my life? Is he really at work at True Life Community Church? Is he really at work in our community? And the the picture is like, God is right there. Like, he's head of this church. Like, he is like the Niagara Falls. He's like, boom, he's like right there. And I say, where are, like, what are we thinking? Like, are we blind? Do Do we not know what's going on in this world and those things around us? Like, he is, he's right there. Like he, he, he is right there in front of us. And I was thinking about John 6.32. I'm going to read that to you. John 6.32. I'm going to turn over there. I ran out of paper markers, so I gotta, I'm actually going to turn there. 
Here's what I was thinking. John 6, 32. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. Here he's talking about the Israelites were wandering around in the desert, right? And God was bringing manna down from heaven. He was giving them something to eat. And here Jesus is saying, it was not Moses that was with them. He's not Moses that brought that to you from heaven. But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven, which is Christ, 33. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus is the bread of heaven. He, he's what we need. And he's there. He's available for us. He has what we need. In Psalm 42, it says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. And my soul thirsts for the living God. And we have access to him. Whether we see it or not, he, he is there. And the, the world will say, well, the church... I've heard a lot of people say this, is that the church, I can see going to church, it kind of gives, gives you a little bit of comfort, like of not knowing what's to come beyond this world. It, it gives us a little bit of comfort, or maybe it gives you community. I went down yesterday at the booth, and uh, they have some really good lemonade there at the festival. I'm trying to sell, I'm trying to sell this festival thing. It's really good lemonade. It's like, like not too sweet. It's really good. And I went down there to get it. And the lady there, she was like, was telling about her church and, and all that. She's like, I'm glad you found your community. I'm like, yeah, me too. And then I walked away and I was like, huh. That's like a byproduct of being a follower of Jesus, of having community. It's good. It's not like the main thing. And then the whole thing about, like, well, I could see church because it gives you comfort. It's like, yeah, I mean, we call it hope, but I could see that. But that's really a byproduct of what it's all about. And what it's all about is being a follower of Jesus. That's what it's about. And the church and the community and the, the, the hope that we have and the love, joy, peace, all that stuff is a, that's really a byproduct of being a follower of Jesus. And that's what we're looking at today is Matthew 9 and 10 of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. What does it look like when Jesus calls us? What does that look like? What is Jesus' authority? Where do we see that in the Bible and then what it looks like to follow Jesus? So that's where we're going to pick up from. Matthew 9, we're going to look at 27 through 29. So we've just been bouncing through this, 9 and 10, looking at these three principles. Jesus' authority our calling, and what it looks like to be called. Matthew 9, 27 through 29. The heading of this is Jesus heals two blind men. Jesus' authority. And Jesus passed on from there. Two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. 
Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. According to your faith. So here we see that they were crying out, Son of David. Did you see that in the scripture? Son of David. If we'll go back to that verse where it says, In the Son of David, in verse 27. What that means is they are giving Jesus the title of Messiah. The son of David means Messiah. They're essentially crying out, Messiah, Messiah, that you are the one that we've been waiting for. Two blind men through a crowd, walking through there, crying out, following Jesus, crying out, Messiah. Even though they were blind, they knew that Jesus was and is the Messiah. He is the son of David, as they were calling him. So I want to ask you this question. They asked for their sight to be restored, and what happened? A little bit of a tricky question. They actually didn't ask for their sight to be restored. What did they ask for? They asked for mercy. You see that in the scriptures? Two blind men following him cried out aloud, Have mercy on me, Jesus Lord. Have mercy on me, the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. Have mercy on me. Spurgeon wrote it this way. He said, Their sole appeal was to mercy. There was no talk about merit, no pleading of their past sufferings or their preserving endeavors, or their resolve for the future, but have mercy on us. He will, never win a, he will never win a blessing from God who demands it as if he had a right to it. Last week we looked at the holiness of God. Isaiah 6, we looked at the holiness and what it what it looks like from the Bible to stand in front of a holy God as one who hasn't had their sins forgiven. It feels like you're being ripped apart. You want to die. You're in ashes pleading to God to have mercy, to have mercy on me. They cried out for mercy in their lives. Mercy means deliverance from judgment. The New Testament and Jesus talks a lot about mercy and grace. Mercy is deliverance from the judgment that we deserve. They cried out to give me mercy. I am guilty, but give me mercy. Grace. Grace is blessings from God. We receive mercy and then we receive blessings from God. Even though we don't deserve it, God blesses us. That is His grace. Grace upon grace is what the Bible talks about. Praise God for Jesus, huh? In verse 28, I want you to see this with the blind men. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and, and Jesus said to them, what did he ask them? He asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe that I am able to do this? And the question poses the same to all of us at True Life Community Church. God says, do you believe that I am able to do this? 
Do you believe that I'm able to use you, broken, sinful people, to reach this community for the gospel? Do you believe that I am able to use this community, this church, this family, to love one another, encourage one another, equip one another? Do you believe? Do you believe that my son, who I sent to earth to die, to live a perfect life, to die for you on a cross, that you put your faith and trust in him, do you believe that that's all it takes for you to have eternal life and to be right with God? Do you believe? Do you believe whatever you're going through in your life, a physical ailment, financial, whatever it is, do you believe That's the question that Jesus is asking us. Do you believe that I am able to do this? They just called him the Messiah, that he is God. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? The answer that we give to God says everything about who we are as Christians and our faith. They didn't go on and on about, well, let me get out my Martin Luther commentary, pray about it. Will you give me a couple weeks? I want to I wanna go search online. I want to talk to somebody. It was none of that. Jesus says, do you believe that I can do this? Do you have the faith that I can do this? What was their answer? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That kind of faith, it marvels God that we can have just that big and bold of a faith to just say, yes, Lord. There's so much doubt. I'm so scared. But I believe you, and I'm going to move out knowing that you're going to do this. That takes faith. Spurgeon also said about this, he said, he said, he, Jesus, touched them with his hand, but they must also touch, must have also touched them with their faith. Touched him with their faith. Verse 29 of this verse. According to your faith, be it done to you. According to your faith. Not how much faith you have, even though our faith can grow. I had a, when I became a pastor, I saw all the other pastors had like some signature thing, like some little thing about the Bible or something. I'm like, I need one of those. I don't know what it's going to be. And so I chose, may our faith grow. You ever see my like signature block in my email? It's like always my continual pray for my, prayer for myself and for this church is that our faith would continue to grow. It's not how much faith you have, but it's that, our, that we have faith and we're growing in our faith, but it's rather since you believe... Your request is granted. Your request is granted. And imagine, imagine the faith that it took for these two blind men. They're walking through the crowd, yelling, Messiah, Messiah, calling this guy who all the religious people hated. They're screaming out, Messiah, Messiah, Messiah. Don't care, don't care at all about what people think about them. They're putting themselves out there. They're exposing themselves, embarrassing themselves, calling out, asking for mercy. 
Imagine the faith that it took for these two guys to do that. The point is, is that Jesus has authority over physical things. And he has authority over spiritual things. He is God. He is God. Matthew 10, 1, our calling. And he called to him, to him 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. My prayer is, as you read these two chapters, is to put yourself in, in the position of the disciples, that you are also called. As Jesus called these disciples, he also calls you and me. And you may be thinking, hey, my dad wasn't a pastor. I didn't go to seminary. I just discovered what potluck means. I mean, I'm just brand new to this Christianity thing. And now you're saying that I'm called by Jesus. Uh, yes, that's what, I'm call- that's what I'm telling you. That you are also called by Jesus. If you look at the names in this list, yes, some of them were probably rich because they were tax collectors, but they were outsiders. They were hated by their communities. They were ostracized by their families. Other, other men are fishermen. They're, nobody knows them. And Jesus calls them. He calls them. He didn't go find the richest. He didn't go find the most powerful people. He found the lowliest people. And those are the ones who he called. Jesus chooses the foolish to confound the wise. God just doesn't just call and give us power like we see here, right? Don't go out and try to cast a demon out from somebody or heal somebody. Please, please don't try to do that. <laughs> but he, do, he, he does give us the power to do what he has called us to do. Whatever he has called you to do. He will give you the power to do it. He will give you the power. And when you start to do your ministry, whatever God has called you to do, it's not going to feel like you have the power at first. You're going to feel like a duck out of water. You're going to feel awkward. But over time, you will realize that God did give you the power. He did give you the calling to do that in your ministry and the ministry here at True Life Community Church. I promise you. last point on this is Matthew 10, 16, what following looks like. Matthew 10, 16. Behold, Jesus says, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. So put yourself in there. Jesus telling you, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves doves, you will face persecution as a Christian. As soon as Jesus leaves your lips, you will face some type of persecution. As your pastor, your shepherd, I don't want to tell you that, but it is true. It is reality. It's not loving to not be truthful to you. You will face some type of persecution in your life as a follower of Jesus. But I want you to know, this will give you comfort, that Jesus also Suffered so much persecution that it took him to the cross and he died. I think it's Hebrews 12 said, 
We suffer with Christ, but at least we don't have to shed our blood, our blood like Christ did. You're in good company with Jesus. Wise as serpents and innocent as doves. It means to be harmless. Don't attract trouble unnecessarily as a Christian. You don't walk into your boss's office and say, I demand to have a Bible study tomorrow in the, in the office. You can't do anything about it. That's not wise. That's not innocent. Probably shouldn't do that. Serpents attract attention, right? See a snake, everybody's like, they got to go look at it, right? They want to look at it from a distance, but everybody wants to look at it. If I said there's a snake in the room, I guarantee you all attention and all thoughts going to be on that snake, right? I went hiking with our dog the other day. There was a copperhead that slithered out onto the thing. He ran over it. He just kept running past it. He's trying to come back to me. I'm like, stop, stop. You know, he's like, what? You know? And uh, I was like throwing sticks at it. It just sit there. And eventually, like, I just sit there for a while. And when things calmed down, it took off. Well, what was happening with the snake is it's like, I'm just going to chill here. I'm not going to move. I'm going to be wise. I'm just going to wait till the tension and the things slow down. And then I'm going to take off. That's what... That's what the Bible tells us to be like. It's just like we as Christians, we're going to draw attention to ourselves. But you've got to be wise about it, right? You've got to be innocent. It's just like the example with your boss. Like the wise and innocent would be like, hey, I've been, hey, boss, I've been, I've been thinking about doing a Bible study at lunch. I know lunch is like people's time. It's their own time. Um, so I'm not asking, you know, anything. I said, but who, who in the company could I talk to about, like, the policy for that? I want to make sure I follow the right procedures um, and do that the right way. Go talk to them. Come up with a plan. If they're like, hey, you can't do it in the building, oh, okay, there's a coffee shop down there. We're just going to do it in the coffee shop. That's fine. Not a big deal. Just straight down the road. That's, that's what the Bible's talking about. Like, it's, like uh, not, not, you don't unnecessarily just cause trouble as Christians. I've known some Christians that do that in the workplace. They're like always pushing the, the limits, always pushing the rules. Just, I guess it's something fun to do. I'm like, don't, don't do that. Like there's no, reason, there's no reason to do that at all. So that is the meaning that this verse has. Sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Heard somebody else say that there's more sheep than wolves, so we're all right. Let's band together. We'll be okay. We'll be all right. So, um, last thing I want to cover. I'm already running over a little bit on time. I guess I prayed too long in the beginning. I don't know. But um, last thing I want to talk about is uh, in the packet that you have. If you ever get one of these that you took home with you, um, we have some out in the front. Richard can. Rich is up there. He can. He can give you one of these. And the first, the prayer card that I have on here, the first thing is uh, on uh, Christian giving. And I do honestly want you to pray about that. I know it's not a comfortable thing to talk about at church. And so I wanted to lay out a few things in regard to that. It is first thing on the prayer list 
uh, for you as a Christian to be praying about. And I want to talk about my experience, Mennonite's experience with that as we begin to wrap up here. Um, the text is going to be going out about 11.30 on giving from Dave Ramsey. I really encourage you to read that. It's a really good text. It's a really good article. It takes about 10 minutes to read through. It really explains a lot of things in there. From my personal experience, Amanda and I, when we started going to our uh, former church, our pastor got up. He started give, talking about tithing and talked about giving. And at that time, we were like, oh, this is really uncomfortable. We don't know. Um, but he gave this challenge. He said, you know... He said, if I challenge you to do this for three months, he said, if you ever go without, like the church will cover you, don't worry about that. And he said, also, he said, if you know a local church in your area that's getting the gospel out to more people, he said, go give to them. Like, it's, it's about the kingdom, right? That's, if that's what you want, that's what God calls you to do, that's fine. And it really gave Amanda and I this comfort level about the church wasn't just trying to get, get our money. And it gave us this comfort level. He showed us in the scripture where it is. And we just kind of went out on a leap of faith. And it was like scary, but it was also exciting at the same time. Um, and so we went out on faith. And I will tell you, 15 years later of doing that, God has always provided for Amanda and I. Never once did we ever go without. Never once did we not have anything that we ever needed. Um, we had, of course, had to be more wise and budget more and those sort of things. And we got to a point, like, we, God had always given us, always wanted. We had a 40 acres, big house, 40 acres. You're like, how many times are we going to talk about that? Um, he talks about that all the time. We had everything we always wanted. Like, we had a big house, 40 acres, had all the toys, all the things. Everything was, was going okay. And then Amanda developed a seizure disorder. And over time, she tried to go back to work. She couldn't go back to work. Tried to go back to work, couldn't go back to work. And we said, well, you, you just can't, I mean, we just can't work. So now we're down to just my income. And Amanda was the guidance director at a big school district. She's administration, standing contracts. Um, but we decided let's just keep trusting the Lord in this. And we don't know today how it worked out, but God worked it out. And we were fine. And so God provides all that you need. He asks us to just live with an open hand, right, with our time, talent, and treasure. So just live open. Don't live like this with your time, talent, and treasure. Live this. It's like that faith. It's like the blind men, right? They just had that faith that God was who he was. His word was true. And that's how God asks us to live our lives. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, I'm going to read this to you real quick. I know we're going over, but I, this is important. We don't want to miss this. We don't want to miss Waterpalooza, but we don't want to miss this either. All right. Malachi 3.10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that's the church, and there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Now, I circled that last word, need. It's not want. It's not what you want, but it's what you need. This is like the only place in the Bible where God says, you can test me. You can test me. The Bible says you can't outgive God. The Bible says, here, test me. Bring your tithe to the storehouse, to the church. You can test me on this, that I will bless you, that you will have everything that you need. And Amanda and I are testaments to that. 
Everything belongs to God. Everything is the grace of God. It's a blessing from the Lord that we have, even though we don't deserve it. Last verse I'm going to give you is Matthew 6.24. Go back a couple here. Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. Last thing I'll say about giving is giving equals ministry happening. So the ministry that we have going on at the church is all because of the giving, generous giving of you and other churches and individuals. So giving equals ministry happening, happening in the church and in the community. So the application for today as we wrap up is what you may be asking, well, what can I do? I'm just one person. Like, this is a big world that we live in. And I would say to pray about your faith, to have faith like the two blind men, and to pray about your ministry. Because you are a missionary. Like, God has called you to go. You, you don't have to go around the world to China. You're a missionary where you are. Like, your work, your family, your neighborhood... You're a missionary. Doug and I are missionaries in this community. We are your missionary as a church, missionaries as a church. You are also a missionary to pray about that. And there are people standing all around you, all around you, where you live, where you work, where you play. There are so many opportunities here at the church, and there are people standing in front of you that don't know about the Niagara Falls that are right in front of them. They don't know about the mercy and the grace of Jesus. And our job is to help them to take their first sip, to, to let them know, like, dude, you got a whole big God right here standing in front of you that loves you, that loves you. I was telling somebody the other day, like, dropping off Kelsey at college, like, how much those emotions of love that I've cared for this person for 18 years of my life and how hard it was to drop her off at college. I'm like, if I love her that much, imagine how much God loves me. He loves everyone on this earth a 10 billion times more than I could ever love anybody. And he wants to have a relationship with them. He wants to give them mercy and grace through Jesus. And he sends us out. Like, he didn't have to use us, but he uses us. I, I love serving God. I don't know what I would do in my life if I didn't have Christ to serve. Because the corporate world and all the things I ever wanted did not satisfy and it's hard serving God. There is persecution. There is all kinds of things. People make fun of you because you are like the blind man just standing out there yelling at the crowd about <laughs> the Messiah. But it's what brings me so much joy and happiness. And I'm so honored to serve you and to serve this community. So if you've never put your faith in Jesus, you just got to call out like the blind men. Just call out. Do you believe Jesus was sent from heaven to earth as the son of the living God to live a perfect life, born of a virgin, live a perfect life, to live a life that we couldn't live, to die on a cross for our sins, to be buried and raised, risen from the grave three days later, to conquer death for you and for me? 
And Jesus says, do you believe that I can do that? Do you believe that I can also raise you from the grave? Do you also believe that I can that I can forgive you of your sins? Your sins can be forgiven because of that faith. All you have to do is say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Make him Lord of your life. The King of kings. Let's pray.